Right. And some so, days we're more focused than others. Other days we're not. Poopy in the diapers. Yep. Okay. Hello and welcome to Words for Dinner, the podcast that puts the beef in beef. I'm Mike. And I'm Max, and on today's episode, which is our third episode, mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about per se. Mm-hmm. So what's on your plate today, Michael? Well, I'm excited because I just ate a bagel, so I'm feeling kind of full, uh, but there's always room for words. Oh, always. Man. There's always that little bit of room in your stomach. Yeah. In your tummy yeah. for just a little bit more words. Yeah, that's you know? heartwarming. Yeah, it is. So it's kind of heartwarming. Yeah, it's like it's just always a spot there for oh. it, right? And so, uh, so I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna fill up on words today, uh, wash it down with some ice cold water. Mm. So you thought I was gonna say that's, something? Yeah, I was looking. There. Yeah, you thought I was sick. I'm, I'm not there. Yeah. And uh, and that's about it. And maybe maybe talk a little bit, you know, about. Our fancy, fancy word for today, uh, mm-hmm. and probably a little bit about the lost episode, right? Um, but uh, how about you? What's on your plate today? <laughs> I'm so glad that you mentioned the lost episode. This is like 45 years from now when we have our own company that's like kind of like Nintendo, but mm-hmm. like better, okay. and like we're like these mythic figures that are like dead, long dead, long dead. Um, 45 but, years from now, we're right, long, right, long yeah. but But revered by our, our new fans, mm-hmm. um, they're going to refer to the lost episode like an Easter egg. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to be like, oh, wow. It's like, I guess I could come up with something better. Anyway, uh, what's on my plate? Well, you know, I ate a bagel too, but I want everybody to be clear on this. We did not eat the same bagel. We did not. It was a different bagel. It was a different bagel. I also, we had a nice conversation at the time by the bagel bag. We did. And it was about, do you mix condiments? Right. Butter and cream cheese. Butter and cream cheese. You can't do that, right? Mm-mm. What about... And then we started talking about honey and how it's bad for little people. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I will mix butter and honey on toast. Wow. Yeah. Honey and peanut butter. You ever do that? That's intense. Dude, you ever do that? No. Why not? I don't... Uh, I, I don't mix... Um, I don't mix condiments like that. Do you want to tell her feelings on ketchup, or do you want to save that for a later time? We'll save that for, for <laughs> a different a different time. Right. Uh, but uh, but let's uh, let's let's start setting the table. Yeah. So what's what's been going on with you lately? How's how's the reading life? How's the life beyond the papers and students? Well, you know uh, this uh, this recent uh, couple weeks. Uh, this is cheating. I'm going to cheat a little bit. This mm-hmm. isn't actually written textual information I'm mm. uh, about to share, but. I did go to see two plays, okay. uh, which are adaptations of earlier plays, which are themselves adaptations of texts, right? So, of course, but let's, let, let, let's just let's clarify for our readers here, right? Almost anything can be a text, right? And when we talk about words for dinner, right, yeah. there's spoken words, there's Bing. heard words, Boom. there's felt words, right? A touch can be a word. Anything can be a word, really, right? Uh, Though we do mainly focus on, you know, real words uh, by the the regular definition. And I think we, I just figured out our uh, year anniversary topic, which is the word word, which would be great, right? That actually Um, is really good. Well, it is, yeah. yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, word up. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) 
But yeah, yeah. So it counts. I mean, like, they're spoken word swords either plays. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So I saw uh, two plays, mm-hmm. both New York City area, uh, big in the New York City area. They're both, quote unquote, immersive, mm-hmm. right? So I saw this play called Sleep No More, which is a loose adaptation of Macbeth. Okay. And I more recently than that, last week I saw Then She Fell, which is a even looser adaptation of the sequel to Alice in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll called Through the Looking Glass. Okay. Uh, both of which took place in creepy buildings in New York that had once been abandoned and uh, were occupied by uh, flexible, pliable dancer actors. Okay. Uh, Sleep No More scenes, there was no dialogue. It was all entirely silent, and the scenes were all physically, kinetically portrayed by dancers, right? So they're, yeah. they're all, like, pros, right? Yeah. So it's heavily choreographed shit. In Sleep No More, you're an audience member. You get to wander around the building at will, at your leisure. Do whatever you want to do. Uh, but anyway, so, like, I won't go into too much more details, but they were sweet. Okay. They were expensive. But they were worth it. All right. What, nice. about, what about you? What's going on? I have had a moment of clarity, if you will. Um, So I've been reading a lot of comics uh, and reading a lot of just graphic narratives generally, which has been great. I'm really obsessed with them. I'm really into them. uh, And a lot of my other reading has been only things for class. So my pleasure reading has only been directed towards a course. So I haven't really been doing pleasure reading. And I found out... A little history, a little history, if you will, here. Sure. I realized after, when I was younger, after a girlfriend of a very long time broke up with me, right, that really brings me back into, like, my true self, right, to my actual, like, being me, right, whether that be ownery or just, you know, the greatest person in the world, whatever, Um, I... I very much get grounded while reading. Reading is something I'm really into. And that's that I mean that's why I keep all the lists of every book I read, of books that I want to read. I keep like these meticulous things. It's just it's weird about and why I track the number of hours I read a day or a week or whatever. So I'm really into it. It it really is something that I'm uh, really involved in and I knew this about myself and I've been pretty good over the last, I think it's been like seven or eight years that I realized this, of keeping pleasure reading in my life so that I stay grounded. And I thought I was doing that, but obviously I wasn't. And so I picked up a book. I've been reading a book called Ten Years in the Tub, which is a collection of Nick Hornby's essays mm. from a magazine called The Believer, which I've never known about. Right? Oh, Believer's sweet. Yeah, so I actually, I've never heard of it before. But Can you tell us what the, the Believer is? I have no idea what The Believer is. I believe it's a literary magazine. I oh. can tell you what um, his his uh, articles are, which he, he, doesn't have, he has a, a monthly column in The Believer, in which he just talks about the books he bought and the books he read. And he just talks about them for a few pages. And so I have a collection of him doing it for the past 10 years. So it's, you know, 10 years, which some breaks taken in between. He doesn't do it every oh, month. Yeah. But almost every month he does Sick. that, which they release, I think, like 10 or 11 issues a year. They release an issue a yeah. month. So he has, like, all these, all these uh, articles in there. I'm about halfway through now. But I picked up this book, started reading it. Immediately my mood changed. Immediately, like, I started being happier. I started being able to get work done more. I came out of, like, this kind of funk that I was in. And it was great. It was really wonderful and really great to uh, 
be a part of, and it was right up my alley, too. It's a guy who's just, like, obsessed with yeah. talking about books, and it's very much similar to what we're doing here with, like, just talking very plainly about words. He just talks very plainly about books, and he says, oh, I like this book. He's a lot of uh, great small nuggets of wisdom in there. I don't think many people would really love it, right? I suggested it, sounds, it, right? It sounds but, like a deep cut. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Right. Well, it sounds like it's it's awesome if people are into reading for reading. Yes, right? Reading, yes. Writing about writing. So, right, it's writing about right, reading. Writing about reading, yeah. So, which is different because You're he, reading about him writing about him reading. Yes. Yes. It's reading about reading. Right. And he's writing about reading. Right. And he makes fun of people who write about writing. Ah, uh, yeah. Or who, writers who write for writers, yeah. which was funny. Because that's, you know, that's it's something that... Well, we, we love that stuff, right? right. And But also, you, you, sometimes you read things that are like writers writing for other writers. And you go, oh, God. Right? You just roll your eyes and go, what? Right? Uh, but yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like podcasting. For podcasters. Right, but I mean, as everybody knows, anybody who's ever heard of this podcast knows, right? I mean, we have a wide, varied audience. Varied, varied audience. Of like, right, of like, our family members, pretty much. At this point, have we, at the point of recording, right? Which is December 1st, 2066. Yes, go on. (laughs) Well, uh, for whoever's listening to it, it's listening in the future, right? So it is the future sick. now. That is when, sick. When they're listening to it, it is oh, the future. It's crazy. Love that. John Connors. At the moment of recording this, is any of our recorded podcasts available online yet? The answer is no. So our audience is literally nil. Our audience at this time is actually just technically... Us. I mean, your audience is me, my audience is you. Yes. But our audience is neither of us. And didn't your roommate <laughs> listen to... He did, actually. Oh, so we yeah. do have .5. He listened to, like, maybe half of one episode. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Andrew, who helped us. He's kind of like the closest thing we have to a producer right now, actually. <laughs> he has contributed some pro tips on the uh, uh, intro theme and the outro theme. Some other things. So. But yeah, so when they were listening to it in the future, and they've listened to episode one, which is brilliant, episode two, with it, which is life-changing, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, when they go searching for the lost episode, oh, the yeah. episode that is Just also about Seriously Googling. Right? The, the episode that is also about the word that you know we're doing today, which we've lost. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's gone. We have no idea where. Oh, sure. It's in the ether. Sure. Right? Um, it's, uh, it's a ghost, if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, when they go searching for that, and then they listen, after listening to this one, the third one, right? right. And they are just clamoring for more. They'll oh. know what we're talking about. Oh, just, They'll understand. Yeah. It'll be a varied audience. It will. It will be a varied audience. You yeah. know? At least will, your mom and my mom. At, at the very least. And that's pretty varied. That's, pretty, that's, that's pretty varied. very varied. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very varied. Yeah. Mm. Between our parents, between two of our parents, we have seven different personalities. Yeah, at the yeah. very least. Yeah. Right. So, so do you want to you want to get to the actual meal, the 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 uh, the meat, the the quinoa of the of of the podcast? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mm. So per se, what the hell is it? What exactly is it? 
Can it exist by itself? Does it have to be with other things? Can it go in a sentence? Should it not go in a sentence? Does it taste good with bread? Does it ha- do you smear it with one condiment, or can you just mix condiments when you use it? I'm not really sure. I'm not sure either. Maybe it's an outlier in that way. So, <laughs> I always thought it was French. Did you have, when you first heard Perse, were you like, what the hell is that? No, I've always thought, and I think that um, in the in the last episode we talked about this as well, but... Uh, Easter egg. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> that I've always thought of Perse as something that's some... like it, It's like an archaic or old-fashioned way of saying something and that the only people who do it are usually using it as a joke, right? They're trying to be yeah. funny. Yeah. Or if they're using it in a serious way, it's... Maybe they're a little meant, Yeah, it, it's douchey or it's meant to call attention to itself, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, always, it's always kind of confused me because right. per se, right, when you use per se in a sentence... Something like you know, I didn't, I didn't go to the store per se, right? Right. Um, mm. Necessarily or whatever. Uh, the definition's always been kind of loose to me. Right. And it's always been one of those words too that people use that I assume they're using incorrectly. Oh Where yeah. you like use it like the word plethora, right? Where like people say plethora and you go, yeah, it's not what you mean, right? But um, they messed that one up. Yeah. Yes. What I is, have. What's oh, the last wrong definition of plethora that you've heard? Uh, in in a student essay, I believe somebody wrote that there are a plethora of ways of looking at the text. Mm. So an uncountable amount of ways. Right. And on one level, you're like maybe. Yeah. On another level, you're like you're looking at no. it one way. Right, right? there. Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's just be real, like. Because it also sounds like a dig in that moment, right? Yeah. Like, the professor's an asshole <laughs> and has, has asked me to look at this just this one way when I can just do all these other things. That's, it is so. a dig, too, but, like, I interpret it, uh, like, douchey. And I interpret it. I get the exact same thing, first of mm-hmm. all. My mm-hmm. student essays, they're exactly the same. I interpret it to be douchey for a slightly different reason. When I don't get, I don't get the word plethora, necessarily, but I get synonyms for it, like <laughs> myriad, legion. Oh. Um, legion, really? Not really. I, I would was, love it if my students used the word legion. They didn't. They, they refer to themselves as legion as a whole. If I walked into a class and everyone looked at me and said, "We are legion. We are one," I would not only be scared shitless, but, but I would also think it was the greatest thing in the world. I mean, it sounds like pretty terrifying. It sounds great, uh, but you know, like so. Yeah, they don't actually use the words, but. I do often get the exact same thing. Like a student, before the thesis, right, mm-hmm. before they get to the question I've asked yeah. them, they're always like, yeah, you know, since, uh, you know, it's important for you to know that there's about 30,000 ways to look at this, because, uh, right, because it's so deep. Meanwhile, they don't know 20, you know, 29,999 ways. They don't know or care about those ways. Mm-hmm. They only know about the one way they're writing about. They're just saying it to impress me yeah. or to be like, yeah, yeah, this will, he'll like my, this. My, it's like, my, no. my professor asked me <laughs> to write a paper per se. Yeah, right. So I did per se. Right. And per se, right? Uh, yeah. So maybe at the very least, cop students everywhere were here this episode and, and changed their ways. Hopefully the lost episode too. And they'll think, wow. I've been wrong this whole time. Glad that I could be corrected. The one thing, you know. there's, actually, there's two things. Two things yeah. I want every yeah. single comp student to yeah. change. Yeah. I'm talking close to the mic right now. I yeah. want you to want you really, <laughs> really to understand that these two things need to change. One, yeah. you don't emphasize on something. Yeah, you just emphasize something. Please, please only use on when it is. <laughs> 
correct to use on. Yeah. Secondly, <laughs> uh, just never say since the beginning of time blank. Oh, God. It's happening? Since the beginning of time, race has been an issue. Since the beginning of this country, <laughs> men and women have lived in the 21st century. Wow, what? Since the that beginning of time, horses <laughs> and men, period. I don't even know. It doesn't <laughs> make sense. Even... I just don't want, since the beginning of no time... predicate there. Since the beginning of time, <laughs> there has been a criteria mm. for the way we look at class. Since the beginning of time, mm. Kwame Apia has written essays. No. Well, not when well, he hasn't. Though... Well, the, I teach Kwame. He'd be old as he'd be he old as be, poop. Yeah, that'd be old. old as, that'd be an old guy. Older. Since, since the beginning of time, <laughs> there's been time. That's okay. That is that may not be okay. It still annoys me. Right. But it might be more. So out here. all these cases, they're just driving to the hole super hard, right? Super they're hard. They're just going too hard. They're gonna bounce off the wall. They're going to get a concussion. They're not going to reach the rim. There's no slam dunk happening here. I mean, that's one way you could say it, per se. That's that's per se, right. So, or like, <laughs> so back on track. Back yeah, on topic. back on track. We're, talking about, about we're talking about a word, which I thought was French. That's all I want mm-hmm. to say about that. I don't know why I thought it was French. Uh, it turns out, as we will see in a moment, is actually Latin. Uh, big okay. surprise. You know, I mean, most words have some sort of uh, Latin, Latin origin yeah. or maybe Greek origin or what have you. In English, at least. So there's that, uh, but yeah. So per se, uh, it is. Uh, here's an example of per se. Uh, it's not caviar per se as much as roux, or I'm sorry, roux. Uh, let me say it again. It's not caviar per se as much as it, as it is roux or something like that. Uh, mm. That's like both those things have to do with fish eggs, mm-hmm. right? Which is a lower diction, cruder description of that thing that mm-hmm. we're talking about. Um, caviar is obviously higher addiction. Okay. But row is not even a word I knew until a couple days ago. I just encountered it on a sushi menu. But it's basically talking about fish eggs. So, per se, in that case, is used to say, like, well, it's not exactly this as much as it is that. And yeah. I think that the reason it's misused so often, at least in that example, is because those two things are similar enough not to be separated um, at all. Really, okay. Right, so that's my logic with this word. Yeah. Well, let's start talking about it and see if that's yeah what the definition. Case. Let's see. Let's see what you what you scrounged up. Okay, so let's move on. To per you se, wanna, you want to introduce us to this one, the third this definition that's actually spelled the right way and seems yeah. to be closer. Yeah, and so it seems that per se, right, from what uh, what we were looking at, uh, comes from Latin, like you said. And the first definition that we get is that it's a letter which by itself forms a word, right? Also elusively a unique or incomparable person or thing. And it's this is the rare version of it and more of a poetic version as well, right? I love the, th- the theme of poetry throughout the whole podcast today. And, uh, and this one I thought was one of the interesting ones that we have where... Uh, this is used the first time about 1505, but uh, a couple of the usages that I really enjoyed or really thought were interesting was J. Headwood uh, in 1533. He says, some say I am per se I. Mm. And then uh, L. Uh, Durrell mm-hmm. in his poems, which I have no idea who that is, mm. from 1943 but collected in 1985, uh, says I per se I 
eye sing on, right? Mm-hmm. And there's kind of this focus on the eye, right? And in, in all of these examples, actually, it is I per se, I or some version of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, A per se, right? Like being very specific to itself, right? Referring to itself, it's incomparable. And I think that's interesting to say that I am incomparable to something else. I only I, right? Like the only me, right? Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. It's kind of compared to... Like uh, like putting the letter A or O in in front of a line in poetry, like O oh, blankety blankety. Um, yeah. We have another one by uh, James Ty- uh, Taylor in sixteen around sixteen twenty eight. Uh, printed by I per se I for O per se O for like you and only you, right? Yeah. Which is so interesting, you know that kind of it's supposed to be from the title page. Yeah. Um, very, very nice. Yeah, like that. It seems to be like providing a form of poetic emphasis mm-hmm. on a letter there. Yeah. And obviously, like, the letter I is also a word, so. Yeah. And I think that's interesting, too, because that's very different from the way that we use it now. Yeah, at all. It's not at all, right? It's totally changed. So, so the, the, we can see that, although there is that outlier there from the that one you read from L. Durrell, the poet. Uh, 1943. The, the, most of those dates go back to much earlier. They yeah, go back to 15, like, wow. yeah. Yeah, 1505. That makes more sense because that's like sort of the archaic use of it. So then we get another definition that's really just uh, an extension of that. O per se O used as a refrain. This is it describes it as archaic and rare now. So that's really yeah, more of the same. We got we got some of these uh, dates uh, uh, in the 1600s, right? Mm-hmm. So, but then we get to the second definition, and that's that's moving it closer to what we. Are looking for yeah. yeah, and one thing I want to point out before we move on, I think one of the reasons I wanted to talk about purse, the color first, is mm-hmm. that actually spelling, as you can see with this word, is super important. Purse is different from per se. The difference is a space, but some of those were uh, examples, uh, those poetic emphasis uh, examples. They didn't have spaces. Yeah, no spaces. Yeah. So how are you supposed to? No, you're not supposed to know. Yeah, I, I purple I. No, yeah, no, a, that doesn't sound right. Okay. I buy myself I. No, that, that's poetic. Now we talk. Yeah. So like there, <laughs> there we go. The second one. So this definition goes: a symbol which by itself stands for a word, and per se equals ampersand, which hmm. is a noun. The symbol ampersand, which is now historical. So. Uh, this is where we start to get a little more interesting and maybe a little bit more confusing too. Yeah. Um, the uh, the 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 interesting thing about it is like some of these examples from history that show this this form of the word uh, offer a more clear definition of it than the definition I just read. So if we look at um, <laughs> if we look at let's see here uh, the last definition, which comes from two thousand two, not mm-hmm. all that long ago. Um, and I, I think that's a newspaper called The Scotsman, mm-hmm. right? Uh, this is the quote. It says, quote, The English name comes from the way English school children used to learn the alphabet. At the end, they would say X, Y, Z, and per se, and. The last part refers to the and symbol, which is, per se, meaning by itself the word and. So what that means is, to translate that even further, there was a time, I think in the 1800s and prior, mm-hmm. When, when you're learning, a, you're, eight, you're a kid, right? Mm-hmm. You're sitting there. You're like seven years old. You're like, man, I'm dumb. It's time for me to learn my alphabet. You sit there in class. They teach you the letters. You learn it in a rhyming fashion. Sure. That's a mnemonic device, whatever. You get to the end, X, Y, Z, and the alphabet was actually different. At the time, we had uh, and at the end. Mm-hmm. Right? And was a letter, but it's a word also. 
And that's yeah. the interesting thing about the poetic definition we just read is because yeah. that's sort of saying the same thing. It's treat, it's it's indicating that the the letter is also a word that huh. brackets it, right? You just said I per se I or O per se O. Mm-hmm. It's sort of making the same point. It's sort of saying, look, this letter is also a word. Okay. It's kind of weird, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's also, this is really partially why I find this interesting because the historical differences between these definitions have a lot to do with what's going on in the world at the time. Yeah. For some reason, English school children were learning a different alphabet from the one that we have now. Slightly different. Yeah. And so the name of that symbol actually comes from this, right? That's yeah. what you were talking about? Right. Yeah, so talk, talk about that a little bit. Let's okay, see. so yeah. yeah, the ampersand symbol, right? This is so weird. But like the ampersand <laughs> symbol used to be at the end of the alphabet. If we look at this little image that I found here, yeah. um, which I... Which I discovered after some some uh, fervent googling. Fervent, of course. There, I found the uh, photocopy of a old uh, children's sort of uh, ABC's textbook. Right, uh, it's it's by a guy named B. D. Emerson. Came out in 1836. It's published in Boston by Russell Shattuck and Company. It's called the National Spelling Books with Easy and Progressive Reading Lessons for the Use of Primary School. Anyway. It's a kid's textbook for the alphabet. You get on the 11th page, the alphabet written out, uppercase, lowercase letter. It looks perfectly normal and uh, recognizable to all of our uh, 21st century uh, podcast listeners, right? And then at the end, there's this freaking ampersand. Yeah. What the hell's it doing there, right? So it was pronounced and per se and, yeah. meaning the symbol at the end is just a symbol for the word and. So okay. the word and was part of the alphabet. Yeah, yeah. And it was... It was conveyed instead of writing A and D. Okay. The symbol. Yeah. Right. Which we now call the ampersand. So let me get to that. So the ampersand, when we look up the word ampersand, mm-hmm. which is a weird word. Yeah. Right, in the OED. We get to that last definition. It's a noun. Uh, it's a corruption. This is what they say. Mm-hmm. A corruption of and per se and the old way of spelling and naming the character and. So interesting. And, uh, i.e., and by itself equals A-N-D, the word A-N-D. Found in various forms in almost all the dialect glossaries. So this is a widespread usage. This is probably because, like I said, this is how kids were learning the alphabet. So it's kind of like when when in the alphabet, right? Like when I was younger, when you're using the alphabet, you got A, B, C, D, F, G. You get to elemental P, and you think that's just one letter. Right. Elemental P, right? (laughs) Elemental P. Sure. You know, and you kind of run it together, and then it becomes like a phrase, and it becomes a word. So that's what you're saying happened with the symbol, is that we we used to say, or we, right, when we were alive in the 1800s. Yeah, sure. Uh, I don't know about you, but I was that old. I was yeah. around at that time. But, you know, you're saying, like, uh, X, Y, Z, and per se, and, and kids just kind of ran it together and said ampersand, right, or ampersand, and, right, and you say it fast ampersand. enough. Or often enough, an ampersand kind of comes up. Jammed it up in there. Yeah, and then that becomes the actual name for that right. That symbol, yeah. right? That's that's interesting. It's that's an so inter- fascinating. And sometimes since then, for some reason, we drop the and from the end of the alphabet. Yeah. It just ends at Z, which I think makes more sense. Yeah. And uh, we still, what lingers is not the 27th character of the uh, English alphabet, yeah. but it's in fact this word ampersand, which is a corruption anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. What's funny is like the elemental P thing was a perfect example of this, right? Yeah, it's a perfect example. When I hear like elemental P, I think of like elemental peed. Like I think of like a, like a fantastical yeah. creature, you know, like <laughs> elephant centipede, like an, an elephant centipede. centipede. You know, like oh a God, that's gross. 
Can you imagine like a centipede the size of an elephant? That'd be so disgusting. Or like a centipede made out of elephants, like yeah, each it's one a- of its legs were an elephant. God. Right? A centipede body, but elephant legs. So like so each like a hundred elephants, which would actually make it yeah. four hundred yeah. legs. Right, which is like basically my nightmare. That'd be a quadrupede. That's a quadrupede. That's a that is a that that's is just complicated. Disgusting. This is too complicated to think about right now. I'm it's grossed out. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's inter- yeah, that's really interesting. That like the word like that per se kind of leads towards that, right. which I think then that definition actually leads us. Or the way that we talk about ampersand leads us to the actual definition of per se, yeah. which is just by or in itself. Yeah. Right. So meaning just like um, that uh, it like this thing is it is itself, which is different or is itself intrinsically. Right. I which think is that, really that's a key word. I think that keyword is helpful. If we just look at the definition as intrinsically. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of helpful. So it's like sort of indicating that when you say per se. You're describe. It's like an adjective, right? You're mm-hmm. describing, or an adverb, I guess rather. It's describing a noun, mm-hmm. and uh, or an action, I guess. And uh, it's saying it's ex- whatever that thing is. It's exclusive to it. Like it's mm. like a it's like a trait or a characteristic, which is part naturally of the makeup of the thing. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I think some of these definitions, you know, kind of answer that. We get some old definitions. We get a classic one, hmm. classic weaver of words. A a uh, a person that probably will come up again. Is it Senor in, Chaucer? It is not Senor oh, Chaucer. It is Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Yes, yes. Shakespeare. The, the uh the the grandchild of Mr. Chaucer. Shakespeare. Biologically, biologically. Sure, sure, sure. Of course, right. Um. Sure. But Shakespeare, uh, they say he is a very man, per se, and stands alone. So here we have, per se, literally meaning by himself, right? Yeah. That he's a man by himself. And the focus there is, is interesting that he is a man, right? Like uh, just what a man is by itself. And this kind of calls back to that poetic version, right? I, per se, I. Or right. I am by myself, I. Like me, me alone, only me, the unique me. Right. And I think I think that's interesting, like seeing that kind of growth out of it, like out of the kind of old archaic poetic way, and then like this becoming just it's just slightly different, but but pretty close to the same. And funny that we see that, like we could do episode upon episode about this guy uh, Bill Shakespeare. You know, mm-hmm. like he was uh, obviously formative, but like I think this reminds me of uh, I, we should do another episode on some of these phrases that have, have uh, were created by Shakespeare mm-hmm. and have since. Thoroughly infiltrated like the American vernacular. Like we we now have phrases uh, that were created by him that we have no idea were, but they're commonly used. I, mean, I can't think of any right now. But there's My a favorite bunch. one: eyeball. Eyeball is that's it's, him. That's Billy Shakes. Yeah, yeah. yeah we good. used to we used to just call him eyes eyeball right? eyeball. Yeah, that's yeah. disgusting. It's awesome. Yeah, why do you think it's disgusting? Because I we don't need to know that they're shaped like that, man. It's because the I mean, rest it's of it's in the back of your head. I mean, it's gross. I mean, it's not really like an eyeball. It's more like um, what I imagine, like an inverse black hole. Whoa, yeah, that's fucking deep. I, like I don't that. think that's that deep, but thanks, I appreciate it. You just blew my mind. I know, that was pretty, cool. pretty, pretty blowy. That was nice. I don't know if an inverse black hole even makes sense. 
I kind of like it though. Can we stick with it? Yeah, let's stick with it. Let's stick with, let's it. Stick with it. But like, I th- you know, just one more thing about that 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 quote you just read. It's from his play Troilus and Cressida. Not one of his uh, most right. Yeah, that's, right. that's what I said. <laughs> it's one of his uh, not one of his most well known ones, but they say he is a very man per se and stands alone. What's interesting about him is that quote is that he's doing a typical Shakespearean thing in that he's using the word in the way that we would expect it to be used, mm-hmm. but he's also sort of toying with us a little bit mm-hmm. like he could have just say they he, they say he is a very man per se which emphasizes what a man is yeah right? it's just saying like they say he's a he's a man he's just a guy this is a, he's a, has all the qualities of a human being mm-hmm. but then at the end he doesn't just say that he says and stands alone which is exactly what per se means right? i mean it stands alone right yeah. it's intrinsic to itself or like it exists exclusively of other things yeah so he's toying with us kind of a little bit, right? Little bit. In one sense, he's saying the man is who stands alone, but in another, he's sort of poking fun at the use of per se. Yeah, I, maybe. I, I think so, but I think that it's just more literally that definition. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I think that what's interesting about that is like the growth of it now. We have yeah. the one of the more recent ones, or the most recent one from OED, which is in 1992, New mm. Republic, right? which I think is still a journal mm, yeah. that's out now, um, where it says real conservatives do not reject homosexuality per se, so much as they reject victimology, which I have no idea what that sentence actually means. <laughs> what it's trying to say, but it's saying like it's not that we reject homosexuality per se by itself. Yeah. We just reject uh, victimology, which is interesting in that this is the way that we use it now, right? So there's a suggestion when you say per se that that's not necessarily true. There, right? And I, I think that's interesting, right? Uh, that the way we use it as a joke. Um, I let, I, it's not that I left my house on time, per se. <laughs> it's just that it's I It's another was way late. of saying you were late as hell. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I think it's interesting. We're here. They, I think they literally mean it, which is real conservatives do not reject homosexuality by itself. Yeah. But they reject like so. But they do. That's yeah. that one's tricky because it's clearly got some politics involved. Yeah, it? yeah, and it seems like there's a suggestion possibly that they do reject it by itself, right. or that by rejecting it because of this other reason, you are rejecting it. Yeah. So it's interesting. And then we have you know from the '60s before that the individual, uh, which is uh, G. Lichtenheim, <laughs> the phenomenology uh, <laughs> of the mind. The individual no longer retains possession of himself per se, but lets the inner get right outside him and surrenders it to something else. Um, weird. So, weird so it's like it's... it's, it's a weird so thing. here again, we're saying individual no longer retains possession of himself, but lets the inner, right? It's... You don't... You, like, you still have some possession, right? So it's like, it's yeah. this weirder kind of transformation, yeah. this different connotation, possibly, yeah. what I'm going for, that it literally does mean the definition is by or in itself, you know? By itself. Right. But there is this kind of connotation of something yeah. else. Yeah, and it could be that this is one of those terms that, like, has a definition in the dictionary, and we're all aware of that, or maybe not. Maybe mm-hmm. some of us are, some of us aren't. And the, the way that a word is commonly used, whether the dictionary likes it or not, does adjust or evolve the meaning of that word, yeah. right? The way I understand it now, mm-hmm. in the year 2066, <laughs> right, is that it. I just substitute it as a synonym for exactly, like the word mm-hmm. exactly, mm-hmm. right? And these next two definitions from the OED might illuminate that, right? So here's one from 
1934 from a newspaper or a journal called The Lancet. Uh, this is, quote, this, this is a sentence, quote, the term airman in the RAF, which is the Royal Air Force, yeah. the British Air Force, does not per se imply flying capacity, which is a funny statement because mm-hmm. that basically is poking fun at the RAF and it's saying, hey, you guys are supposed to be pilots. You don't all necessarily know how to fly. Yeah, yeah. You don't do a good job of flying. So it's saying the term airman in the RAF does not exactly imply mm-hmm. flying capacity, right? I just substituted the word exactly for per se. It makes more sense to me. That's okay. just me. So yeah. let me read one, one more, which seems to help to support that view of the word. Mm-hmm. This looks like a legal volume. It's called the Law Rep, I don't know, represent, Representation. I'm not sure what that means. It looks like a British uh, legal tomb from 1883. <laughs> uh, quote, it was very questionable whether the words used were defamatory per se. Right, that's... If you think of it as it was questionable whether the words were used defamatory, were used were defamatory exactly, mm-hmm. were exactly defamatory, right? Yeah. So it's sort of like I don't know. Maybe that was not a great example, but I feel like the law and legal uh, scholarship does would be ex- most uh, most concerned or preoccupied with uh, with the use of that term. It's it's most helpful for these sorts of things where like the definition of a word can. Uh, can uh, totally affect the course of a case, which may then affect you know the course of somebody's life, right? So like the law really needs to care about that sort of thing. Um, that's a that's a statement that's that's concerned with the the definition of this word defamatory. It could be a slander case or a libel case. Who knows what's going on? So I think it's interesting that you say exactly because I think that that's coming from a definition of exactly, which means precisely. You know, mm. which is a more specific version yeah. of that word, right? Yeah. Synonyms, obviously. Yeah. Um, but so precisely is is all about you know accuracy being you know you get it on the board, pre- yeah. precision being right on point, right? Yeah. So when you say precisely, and then you say per se, which that sound even is interesting. Yeah, it really sounds so. Right? But you say per se, and it means by itself. And it, it, it kind of suggests this idea of, like, pinpointedness, you yeah. know? Uh, but in, in those examples, if you replace per se with by itself or in itself or by themselves or whatever, um, then it becomes interesting because the term airman does not by itself imply flying capacity, mm-hmm. which like, we're referring back to airman, you know? And then it was very questionable whether the words were used... Uh, used word defamatory by themselves. Here we're coming mm-hmm. back to the to the words. So it's interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I, I like that because that's, that interpretation is helpful too. Because it's sort of like I like what you're saying about precision too. Because this, when we look at it that way, it's sort of saying like um, it's like drawing a boundary line around the word, the noun, or the mm. verb, or whatever that it's referring to. It's yeah. sort of saying. We have to be fair to what this word actually means. Yes. These other things might exist outside it. Uh-huh. Let's not think that, right? So when you said that example earlier about being late, it's like, well, I didn't, ex- I didn't leave the house on time per se. It's funny because it's sort of like wiffle waffling. It's sort of like an excuse. Yeah. But it's an excuse because it's like it's uh, finding refuge in sort of splitting hairs. Right? Mm, That's sort of mm-hmm. how it's used now, I think, most frequently. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, when what that really means is, if we look at the definition of the word on time, we'll see there's a <laughs> loophole for me to get out of 
not being on time, right? Yeah. Like, that's what that person is trying to do. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, or at least make a joke about attempting to do that. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. I think that this is an interesting phrase to kind of bring up uh, on Words for Dinner. It's it's, it's uh, nutritious, you know? It's uh, It has the taste <laughs> of, of rocket and sunchoke, mm. but it's really... Whoa. Just kind of like a spring mix. Whoa. You know? Wait, what the hell is that last you know? thing? Sun chips? I love those. Sun choke. What the hell is that? Uh, you uh, you and the listeners can look it up on your own time, right? Right, sun um, chips, sure. I know. No, sun chips are not sun oh, choke. Okay. I don't even... let, me, let, me, let me rephrase <laughs> to, to help you more, right? Yeah. It's, like, it's, like, it's like having a word that, that reminds one of the delicate balance in a sun choke, but in a bag of sun chips. Right, so what you're saying is sun choke is not sun chips per se. Exactly. Oh, good one. Good mm. one. Yeah. yeah. But I like this. I like this I like this as an option uh, to do that. So I think it's it's interesting when we try to sound intelligent or when we uh, are trying to be funny in a way that sounds intelligent. We're trying to make fun of like sounding intelligent or whatever. Right. So uh, it's interesting how that can be very, like working at odds against us, where we're making a joke like "Oh, I'm sounding smart," but you're like using it wrong, and then it becomes yeah. like this layer of irony or almost satire, like you're yeah. accidentally satirizing yourself. Right. So that. I was yeah. going to ask you, like, why you think? My last question about this before we move on is like, why you think it's pretty much nowadays used in a sarcastic way. You just kind of answer yeah. that a little bit. Like, well, it think, seems satirical, maybe. Yeah, and I think that there's, um, uh, there is an a element of mockery to it, yeah. Mm. So I think that's interesting. I think that it just comes from this idea of making fun of people who are, like, highfalutin, right? Who are who are using this word, you know, per se. I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't steal all of his land, per se. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even in that joke that, you know, I say, it's... It, the joke is making fun of those who are higher class or whatnot. And so I think it's an interesting thing. I wonder if there are communities that use per se in an accurate way all the time. Yeah. And that would be, I want to live there. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I like okay. being, you know, knowing the thing and like using the thing. I, I was just going to say my input on this is that I think we both recognize... This is a cool word. It's evolved mm-hmm. over time. It used to mean a color. Mm-hmm. Then it's it was sort of uh, evolved in parallel to that definition, yeah. meaning something else, meaning by itself, themselves, or intrinsically. Yeah. And uh, somewhere in there it got associated with, like you said, highfalutin sort of snootiness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so now I don't think it's used enough in common language or vernacular for people to treat it like it's okay. Yeah. Just toss it in. But uh, but I believe that you have a fun activity for us to end the podcast with this week. Mm, um, yes. Yes, I do. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> so, um, have you ever eaten at a restaurant called Per Se? No. <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> have, you, have you? Actually, no. no. I haven't, Michael. That's weird. It's weird that neither of us has eaten at that restaurant, okay. which is so relevant to today's podcast. Nice. Drum okay. fill. That was a, that was a good. drum fill. That was good. Jazz is sort of music that might be uh, performed by the in-house band at a restaurant mm-hmm. called Per Se, right? <laughs> this is So I found this restaurant after a little 
Pointed Googling, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, this restaurant is a New York City restaurant, uh, and it is uh, said by Wikipedia to be the third most expensive restaurant in the world. Oh, wow. Uh, and then when I looked further, some other sources called it the second most expensive restaurant in New York City. So hard to say if any of those are accurate, but mm-hmm. it's pretty flippin' expensive. Okay. Right, let's just put it that way. Uh, Which kind of goes with this whole theme of like being a little snooty or whatnot. Yeah, it's that's you know what that's the funny thing is that like the chef whose name is Thomas Keller, I don't know who he is, but apparently he's a celebrity chef, oh, right? I gotcha. He invented this restaurant, uh, and he is also the guy more well known for an even snootier, more highfalutin restaurant called the French Laundry. Oh, okay. Which apparently is not about laundry at all. It's about uh, ripping you off for eating a sandwich. Okay, gotcha. Uh, that's kind of French, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, this all comes full circle. Uh, per se isn't necessarily a French word, although we learned earlier that it might have a French variation, just like it does in Italian yeah. and uh, any other, you know, uh, romance languages. In it. But it came from Latin. So anyway, uh, Thomas Keller is trafficking in this sort of modern understanding of per se as a... Uh, stiff collar sort of uh, one percenter term right yeah, yeah. so hopefully he's aware that his restaurant's freaking expensive mm-hmm. and normal people who don't say per se aren't going to go there yeah so it's all unified in that way <laughs> so uh, I thought it would be fun to play a little game where we look at the menu and uh, you read me some uh, items from the menu and okay. I try to guess the price, and then vice versa. We'll okay. see who gets the do you, most. Do you want to read me first? Do you want me to guess first? Why don't you guess first? Okay, I'll guess first. All right, so let's I'm excited do, about we this. Just want to do three? Let's yeah, do three. three each. That okay. sounds perfect. Best of three uh-huh. wins. Yes. Right. Okay, and we can have a lightning round if we tie. Yes. Okay. So this is from the uh, this is from the the latest tasting menu. Okay, which good. is posted. The chef's menu and the veggie tasting menu. Are set at two hundred ninety-five dollars, okay, including service. So this is individual dishes. You ready? Yes. All right. Uh, here's one: a, a salmon. This is a Salmon Creek Farms pork belly. Okay. It has crispy potato latkes, lat, latkes. Okay. In it, honey crisp apples, Brussels sprouts, and whole grain mustard juice. Not juice, but juice. Okay. Yeah. Forty-six dollars. Forty-two. Uh, I got it wrong. Just tell me how much. Thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. Woo! Damn. Actually, thirty-eight was my second option, but I thought that was too low. I really did. I thought that was uh, too low for pork belly. Yeah. Was it? Right. Pork. Belly. So the whole belly could be pork. could be more. Right. Sometimes pork belly is more expensive. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Let me give you a second one. This is. Uh, Herb Roasted Elysian Fields Farms Lamb. Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the first thing. Uh, <laughs> jingle Bell Peppers are in there. Pickled Eggplant Satsuma Mandarins. Okay. And Cauliflower Cream. How much do you think that one is? Uh, try to pronounce the first thing first. Petit Salet. Okay. Um, <laughs> what's the title of it again? What's it's, the name uh, of it? It's Lamb. Herb roasted Elysian Field Farms lamb. So like think Gladiator when uh, yeah. Russell Crowe dies and joins his wife and he, in the in the field. Yeah, in, no, in, um, inside a lamb. Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> 40, 40 bucks. Oh, 
Close. Oh, what is it? 46. Damn it. Damn it. I was close to your first guess. Okay, right. last chance. This is your last chance to okay. redeem yourself, all right? This one, this includes service, by the way. Yeah. I should have mentioned that, but anyway. This is the last one, okay? Uh, then you can, I'll guess, right? Yeah. This one's called Carnaroli Risotto Biologico. Okay. It is. It has shaved white truffles from Alba in it. Mm. Uh, Castel Magno Mussolini. Mussolini. Okay. I hope this isn't actually parts of Benito Mussolini. Yeah, that would be awkward. Uh, although that's the price that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and Bure Noisette. I don't know what that is either. <laughs> 54. 68. 73. 85. It's $175. What? What is it again? It's uh, risotto. Oh my god! Which is Italian for rice. Oh, so weird. How can rice be that? That's much? So weird, man. So you did that side, right? I did that side. Yeah. Okay, dude. So all right. So I have to get one correct. Let's go. Let's go weird at first. Let's go weird. All three of them are going to be weird. Yes. Let's be honest. No. Uh, Salade de topinobros. <laughs> Grilles, Persian cucumbers, Thompson grapes, ruby beet puree, and English walnut vinaigrette. That sounds like a salad. Is that a salad? I don't know. I don't fucking know. Salade? Yeah. Salade. Yeah, that would okay, be a salad. Sounds like it's got some things you can just find like at your local uh, shop, right, for yeah. about three bucks. Yeah. 52? Damn. Way high. Ooh, too much? Way high, yeah. All right, 21. Okay, you just... <laughs> the opposite <laughs> side of that. Come, come somewhere in the middle, closer to 21. 22. Mm, okay, <laughs> technically, I guess that was accurate. 32. Ooh. $32, $32. Okay. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you this one. I'm going to give this one. Expensive-ass salad. Can I'll give you this one damn, because okay. I like you. All right. Czar Imperial Ocetra Caviar, which I asked you about in the last episode. That's right, yeah. Caviar. I did ask you about this, so let me read it to you again. I don't remember this at all. I'm going to read it to you again. Czar yep. Imperial Ocetra Caviar, mm-hmm. Nova Scotia Lobster and Galet, Dill Blini Snipped Chives, and Telecherry Pepper Cream Frachet. <laughs> This was even less recognizable. <laughs> yeah, actually, the... I don't think those things were in the uh, in the in. I think it was like different oh. stuff with the caviar. Whoa, that's last time. Yeah, oh, so yeah, this yeah. is caviar, and it's got some chives in it. That's chives and fresh cream, fresh. Oh, it's got some fresh cream and dill in it too, right? The dill, right? So dill that they grow behind the restaurant per se is probably like what seventy bucks per bushel. So okay, okay, right? per bushel. So but you not chop a, a piece of that dill off. Yeah. That's probably seven right there. Mm-hmm. Right, that's for a little bit of dill. Your chives, you know, I would imagine those have been blessed by three different rabbis. So, yes. you know, those they charge top dollars. So that's going to be $18 for those uh, chives. And the caviar is, you know, top notch, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just harvest that from the Hudson Bay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got some, maybe some flavor from the Hudson Bay there. Uh, 43? Oh, huh? way low. What? Way what? low. <laughs> Jump it up. What in the hell? Jump it up. All right, so uh, 72. 
Mm, didn't, didn't jump up high enough. What? Mm-hmm. 89. Yeah, jump up higher. Nah. Stop it. What makes you stop? What makes you stop it? stop it. 125. Whoa! <laughs> 125. Holy crap. So this, this is the... What? Take it, take it for the... Right, for, for all, the win. For all the beans. For the win. For all the beans, per se. And I've, and I've purposely saved this one for last okay. to kind of mess with you a little okay. bit. All right. Hudson Valley, mm. Millard Duck Fogois, mm. Hadley Orchards, Medjool Dates, mm. French Breakfast Radishes, mm. Parsnip Chips, oh. and Compressed Winter Chicories. Mm. Yep. Okay. Served <laughs> with toasted brioche. Wait, that's got uh, sun chips in it? Is no it? sun chips. Oh. <laughs> we got sun choke. I still have no sun chips. I don't, is sun choke food, man? What's sun choke's the thing. I don't. I actually don't know really what oh, it is. Okay. But I'm sure sun choke's on here somewhere. All right. Or rocket is. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So we got some mallard duck. We got some delicious mm-hmm. other things in there. Brioche sounds good. Mm-hmm. That's not a cheese, right? That's not brie, right? Is that what is brioche? No, it's bread. It's bread? Oh, okay. Well, it's got some bread, some duck. We got some other things there. I bet, I bet it's some good ass duck, you know what I mean? But that's some real duck. Mm hmm. It's foie gras. So it's the duck that, that they mean? they stuff it until it dies. Oh, God. Jesus, what? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's alive when they do that? Yeah. I think so. No, stop it. I'm actually 100... I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I'm pretty sure. Oh, God. Yeah. What? Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. $376. Okay, take a real <laughs> guess. Take a real guess. All right, this one is going to be 60 No! Ooh. I tricked you. 40. It's 40 bucks. I did one kind of in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You're welcome. 60 bucks. You're welcome. Uh, I really do love it. I think I noticed it la- last time, too. I think they're using uh, parentheses inaccurately. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Waldorf salad is in parentheses. Like, it's not really a Waldorf salad. <laughs> they don't know what like that means. per se. Yeah. Waldorf salad, per se. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's like the point of it. Do you think right? they're mocking themselves? Maybe. Or maybe not mocking themselves, but like trying to suggest that. They're like, mocking uh, the foods. Yeah, like a lot of things. And I, at first it seems like it's all things that are words that don't make sense. Um, but like Nova Scotia lobster and jelly is not in quotes, but but blini is. It's dill, dill blini, but blini is in quotes as well. Okay. Yeah. All right, sure. So that's so, great. Well, yeah. so well, we both I'm, lose. I'm, yeah, we both lose. But in that sense, we both win. That's we? also true. That's also true. So, uh, yeah, so this was exciting. I'm excited that we got to talk about this. I feel um, like I've won just because uh, I yeah, got to hang I'm out. I'm excited. With I got a couple ideas for the next episode, which oh, I will yeah. share to you, uh, with you off mic. Mm-hmm. Sure, I don't want to ruin anything. Besides for, the word word. Besides the word word, mm. which will be right. Right, that's a good one. Um, but yeah, so uh, this week's episode was brought to you by hair. Mm. It's dead, but it grows. Oh, that's disgusting. That's I, good. What? Hair is dead. It's technically dead. You're welcome. Oh my god, that's mm-hmm. And that's Hair's tagline, by the way. Like, honestly. What? Yeah. Every piece of hair says, it's dead, but it grows. Copyright. Right, that's how they sell it so much. Copyright, yeah. You, know, you get those weaves. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, I think this episode is also brought to you by like three bagels on top of each other. Yes. Why, why have one where you can have like that plus one and then maybe an extra one? Mm-hmm. And multiple condiments. Right, you're gonna, you're gonna, they, you gotta, you gotta, you use an adhesive to keep them together, and that adhesive is a combination of marmalade, molasses, and butter. <laughs> 
right. All right. Let's, let's shut it off. Shut it off. We're done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good night, folks. <laughs>